Welcome to What's Going On, the weekly podcast and videocast at First United Methodist Church in Yankton, South Dakota. Each week, our pastors sit down and discuss the sermon from the previous week. They also discuss events that are going on in our church and in our community and our world. We hope you enjoy this week's episode as we get to know Senior Pastor Katie Rickey. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, my name is Corey. I'm one of the pastors here at First UMC, and I'm joined by uh, Pastor Katie as well. And today we are going to be starting a new adventure, and that is going to be our weekly uh, podcast, videocast type opportunity where we're going to come on each week and we're going to go over the sermon from the week before, kind of discuss some high points of that, maybe what you were thinking when you wrote it, or when it's my week to preach, that'll be a lot of what was I thinking when I wrote it, obviously. Um, and then we'll discuss kind of what's going on in the church, in the state of the church, is of course we're in the middle of the pandemic still, so we have a lot to talk about with that. And of course there's other things that will be coming down the road. Uh, as we continue to move and to grow here at First United Methodist. So we want to share those things with you. Uh, some weeks you may just hear uh, ramblings from us about what's going on in our lives and, and at the church and in the world. You know, maybe something happened in the world and we want to discuss that with, with each other and with, the, and with all of you. So we'll be coming on uh, to discuss those things. But I'm uh, really excited for this opportunity uh, today because today you're going to get to know Pastor Katie a little bit more and uh, uh, some of you who may be watching this you may know her quite well uh, some of you maybe Sunday was the first time and you you had been out of the loop and you showed up and you said oh we've got a new pastor this is exciting so you may not know much about her but today we're just going to kind of learn a little bit about her I have some questions for her and and we're just going to have just a little conversation and and share with you guys a little bit about Pastor Katie today. So to start off, obviously I'm, I'm a youth pastor, so we always have icebreaker games or questions, and I, I kind of wanted to break out some of my favorite games to start this, but we're going to pass on that, but I'm going to give you some shotgun questions. All right. So first thing that comes to mind with these uh, different questions, favorite food? Uh, spaghetti. All right, that's right on. I like spaghetti. I like any like goulash spaghetti. If it's pasta, I'm probably gonna eat it. All so. right, pasta. That's good. <laughs> We're off to a good start. Favorite vacation spot? Uh, probably the Black Hills. I mean, that's pretty standard South Dakota answer, but you know, it's close enough that you can do it on short notice, and it's just beautiful. So I I've had a lot of good memories out there. All right, good answer there. Favorite ice cream? Ooh. Oh, you know, probably, oh, I know. There's uh, ice cream from Stensland's Creamery uh, called Mama Mounds, Mama's Mounds, and it's um, like the coconut and chocolate, and uh, I love coconut. <laughs> so, See, all right, now we know. Now we know <laughs> coconut. So anybody that makes anything with coconut, you've got an in right there. Yes, if, yes. Yeah. All right. All right. Now for a standard church question. Okay. Favorite Bible verse. You, 
it's cheesy to say that there's too many. The one that really comes to mind, and to be honest, I can't even give you the direct reference, but I have such a heart for Ruth. And the verse when she tells Naomi, where you go, I will go, and your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Um, and I can talk about it later, but that one has really spoken to me in my life uh, for a variety of reasons. But that one always sticks out to me as as an example of someone who has... Um, she knows what she's wants and she and she's not afraid to to go for it so awesome so that kind of leads into my next question favorite book of the bible i like james okay why james james is a very practical he just kind of tells it like it is and i love that martin luther called james the epistle of straw he hated james <laughs> and so i think there's part of me that's like well then i'm gonna like it um but I, there's a verse in James that talks about, um, you know, you tell me you have faith, but, you know, show me your faith by what you do. Absolutely. And and I think that that's really powerful, that, that we have to live it out in order for it to be alive. And so I just like, there's a lot in James that's just kind of straightforward, just tell it like it is, and I appreciate that. So. All right. Yeah, and it's a short one. It, it is. It's very, <laughs> it's very short. It's a short one. It's a great one. So if you are stumped and you're looking for just a book of the Bible to read, go to James. It's a, it's a short one. You can get it done pretty quick and there's a lot of good stuff in, in it. And it's really accessible. It's yeah. like the way that he says it, that's how you take it. And you know, there's other books that, that require a little bit more digging, I think to reveal their nuggets, but James is pretty much. So J- is. James would be a great relational preacher. Yes. Yeah, because he just kind of says it like it is, and, and you're not having to, to dig and say, boy, what is this guy trying to say here, which right. can be a little confusing sometimes. You might not like what he says because he's so straightforward with it, and it can be convicting, but you know what he's saying. Yeah, <laughs> right on. All right, this question here, last last shotgun question, favorite coffee shop? <sighs> Okay, so my favorite coffee shop uh, is no longer a coffee shop, uh, but it was up in Sioux Falls. It's called Black Sheep, and it was on 12th Street. And when my husband and I were dating, that's where we would go to meet because it was close to where he lived. And they had the best coffee there. Um, but now, you know, Caribou is up there. I like scooters. I like I'm, – I'm, I'm not a big Starbucks person. I feel like it's a little overrated for me. Okay. But um, – you know. Okay. All right. There. All right. Now we, now we know. All right. So uh, this is my, always an important one with me. And I said the coffee shop was going to be the last one. But after the <laughs> after not going with Starbucks, I have to now know iPhone or Android? Uh, both. <laughs> and both is not an answer. That that does not work. So mm. I am a Mac person. I I through and through and I used to I had a series of iPhones but the last time we needed to get a phone it was Black Friday and they were sold out and they didn't have them on back order so now I have a Samsung and I like it it's fine it doesn't sync with the rest of my stuff okay um but you know I guess if I had my preference I would because everything else is Apple in my life I would stick with it but I'm not mad at my phone now either. All right. All right. Because that was one thing I did notice. I, I noticed you were using an iPad on Sunday, and I yeah. know you get a MacBook, but then I, I get a text from you, and I'm like, why doesn't it have – it's not telling me it's an iMessage. What's yeah. going on here? Yeah. So now I know. Okay. Can, it's Apple's fault, really. They they were 
Yeah. All right. I'm going to blame that on Apple, and yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll still consider you a good Christian then because <laughs> you, you are in the iPhone camp then. Okay. I, really, I am, yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Katie, why don't you just kind of give us just a quick high-level view of who you are. Uh, tell them a little bit about your family because, again, I do know we have folks joining us today who, who don't know anything about you, and, and they want to know a little bit about who the new pastor at First UMC is. Yeah, so um, you know, basic facts. I, I was born and raised in South Dakota. I'm from Arlington originally, which is a town of about 900 people uh, just west of Brookings. And that's where I grew up. That's where I graduated from high school. Um, my parents and my brother still live there. I have an older brother. He's seven years older. He's actually your age, so he's a bit older than me. <laughs> Now, now everybody knows I am now the oldest clergy in the church. Yes, and I will, I will make those kinds of comments probably <laughs> often. Um, but my parents and my brother still live in Arlington. My brother is married and has six kids, and so I have lots of nieces and nephews. Um, my parents are both retired. My dad uh, was a diesel mechanic for many years. He sold and serviced fire extinguishers for a while. Um, was a kind of a handyman and now in retirement he mows the cemetery up in Arlington and loves it uh, and then my mom she did uh, day like in-home daycare while I was growing up and then did um, I forgot what it's called but you go and you clean people's houses okay uh, sure yeah. I should know what that's just called. housekeeping type stuff yeah yeah so um so she did that and now she is retired as well um, and so yeah Less than Shirley are their names, I guess. And then you guess, or I, that, or that is their name. I guess I should include that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I grew up. I grew up Lutheran, actually. Um, I came to the Methodist Church a little bit later in life. Um, started attending the Methodist Church when I was in high school. The pastor in my hometown uh, was had a real passion for youth, and so I kind of went where where I felt wanted, and so um, ended up in the Methodist Church a bit in high school and then uh, joined later on in my life. I went to Sioux Falls for college at University of Sioux Falls, go Cougars, uh, and studied theology and philosophy and English while I was there. I studied abroad, which was awesome. I went to Oxford. Cool. Uh, yeah, so that was by far the hardest semester of schooling I've had across the board. Yeah. It's a very different system. Um, did my first master's degree in Massachusetts at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, which is north of Boston. Uh, so I spent two years out there, uh, then became a youth pastor full-time for three years up in Millbank, which I feel like I'm probably, when you think of a youth pastor and kind of whatever that typical image is, which is maybe very active and that wasn't me <laughs> at all. I feel like I was like the least typical youth pastor you could have met, but I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and then during that time, received my call and went to Chicago to get my MDiv uh, before moving back to South Dakota and started serving churches in Mitchell and then in Beersford and now here. Awesome. And then in Mitchell, I met my husband uh, and we started dating and got married about four years ago. And now we have two children, two little boys, Ben, who is turning three in August. I, so he's two, but he's really almost three. Yeah, he's three. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, Ethan, who just turned one in April during the pandemic, and so we did a Zoom birthday party for him. Um, but they are active, 
little boys and they keep us on our toes. <laughs> right on, right on. So my grandma, uh, funny thing when you said he's he's two, but he's really three. So my grandma was always not more than a month after your birthday, you were almost the next <laughs> age. So that, yeah. that kind of became a running joke that it was like, you're almost 16. And I'm like, well, if I was almost 16, I could do a lot more than I can now. So why can't I? So yeah, and I and beyond a year, I quit doing the month thing because it's just too much to keep yeah, track of. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, Ethan is one, but he's 15 months maybe or something. I don't know. Yeah, that, that that's more math than I care to. Yeah, do. well, that's another odd thing that that I've never really understood. Like when someone said, "Oh, it's my 16 month old," I'm like. No, it's, it's your it's your one year old. You know, yeah, I'm trying to yeah. figure out how this is. It's a yeah. lot of math. So, well, it is awesome to uh, have you here. And uh, again, this so this is a marks the official first week because Wednesday was the first official day last week. So yeah. we're one week in. One week in. Are you ready to quit yet? <laughs> no, I'm. I'm. You know, it's such a weird time to transition into a church. It's not. I've not experienced a transition like this before. Um, and so I feel like it's been a week, but I'm excited for There's like a lot to do. And, and I feel like in some ways, like I have yet to really arrive too, because I haven't gotten to meet people in the way that I, I normally would. And, and so I kind of feel like this arrival is going to last for a while because it's going to be, it's going to be a long period of time of getting to know people and having them get to know me and, yeah, absolutely. And that's really a part of what, uh, when we sat down and just thought, how can we get you in front of people? Because we can't physically have, you know, a group of people here for coffee on a Tuesday afternoon to get to know you. Right. Uh, we thought, well, why not use video and audio? Because that's all we've known since uh, March. So let's take advantage of it. Right, exactly. So I, my next question for you is actually, I'm going to skip one because. You said you got your calling after you had got your master's in theology. Now, I, I find this interesting because you went and got your undergrad in theology. theology. Yeah. Then you went and got a master's in theology. But it was after all of that, you decided and you got your calling to be in pastoral ministry. Yeah. Do you want to explain this a little bit? Can you explain this? Because yes. Yes. my mind is blown because when I think of theology, I'm thinking, man, I have already know that I'm going to be a pastor. So that's why I want to go into this. Yeah. What were you going to do if you didn't go into ministry <laughs> with a master's and a minor in theology? Yeah. So I, <laughs> you know, I think I've known a lot longer than I was really willing to admit to myself that God had a calling on my life. Um, my, my aunt, uh, who's passed away about 10 years ago now, knew that I was going to be a pastor. And she would tell people that. And I think my grandmother had always kind of really hoped that there would be a pastor in the family. Um, but, you know, I didn't really think that I, that that was meant for me or that I was cut out for it. And so there were times where I'd kind of skirt and be like, well, maybe that would be interesting. But then I was like, no, I can't do that. And so when I went to college, I was planning to study theology and philosophy, mostly because I was just interested in it. Um, but I really thought I would teach. That I really, throughout college and even through that first master's degree, my trajectory was to go back to college and to teach theology, to teach church history, because what I really loved was that engagement with, um, with people. In, and I really loved 
figuring out the differences between denominations and where churches came from and why people believe different things and how did they get there. Um, that question really motivated, was the question that kind of motivated me and pushed me down that path, which is why I loved college so much. And I loved, um, you know, engaging with people who thought differently than I did and um, figuring out, again, like, you know, I grew up Lutheran, but I went to a Baptist college. So, you know, those are very different kind yeah, of perspectives. Absolutely. And my favorite thing is I took a class on Martin Luther from Baptist <laughs> and, and I loved it because I was like, I never heard it from this perspective before. And it was in college that, you know, I really got introduced to John Wesley as well. I didn't really know um, much about the Methodist Church. I had attended it a little bit, but, you know, our practical experience of churches is different than the theology behind them. Um, and so, yeah, I went through college. That was my plan. When I went to Gordon-Conwell, I, I pursued a Master of Arts because I didn't want to be a pastor all through college, and they joke about it, the professors. Um, I took zero practical ministry courses, and I was the only one that did it that way. So they had at USF these practical ministry courses and everyone else who was in that major had that kind of idea that they would go into pastoral ministry of some kind. And I was running away from that as hard as I could. And so I'm like, nope, I'm not even gonna, not even gonna take that class because I don't need it. I don't, I don't need that class. I, I chose to go to seminary. I had my parents train. Yes, she's in seminary. No, she's not going to be a pastor. <laughs> uh, and that's what I, you know, they were trained to say that. And they had to say it to everybody because, you know, who goes to seminary if you're not going to be in ministry? Um, and, yeah, I ended up going into youth ministry because I was broke. <laughs> there I you go. There's the, there is the answer. <laughs> because I was broke. <laughs> I had no money to continue <laughs> on with schooling. Um, you know, the next step for me would have been a PhD, and I just I didn't have the money to continue to be in school, and I needed a job. And you know, my father, I said he sold and serviced fire extinguishers for a living. He was up in Milbank, talking to the director of the nursing home who had lived in my hometown when I was growing up. And she also happened to be on SPR in the church saying. Well, I happen to know we're going to be looking for a youth pastor. And so my dad called me and said, well, maybe this is something you could do. I had no plans to be in youth ministry. Like I said, I don't think I fit the, <laughs> the image of a youth pastor yeah. whatsoever. Not many churches are, are like, we've got this lady who's got a degree in theology. And we're going to throw her with a bunch of wild 14 and 15 year old kids. <laughs> you know, and, and the parents were very like, you know, is she going to relate to, you know, our teenage boys? Is she going to, you know, are they going to, they just didn't know to have yeah. a single, you know, and I didn't know. She's she just going to drop uh, so much knowledge on these kids. Week one, their minds are blown and then they're, they're taken off. They're, they're gone. Yeah. But it ended up being such a great t experience for me. And one of the things that really taught me was the things that I was pursuing for, you know, in my mind as kind of in the academic field were things that I could really do in the church, which Absolutely. is, getting to teach, getting to engage people in their faith and push them deeper. You know, I was doing confirmation. And as you know, as a youth pastor, teenagers really actually are trying to figure so much out about themselves and about life that those conversations come up a lot. Right. And I loved that about youth ministry, um, just being with them. And we had fun, but, but really getting to, 
to wrestle with these kids. And I had some debaters. And so, I mean, we went deep on some <laughs> things that I probably have never gone that deep since. But um, one of the things that happened in Millbank was I had a student who uh, was diagnosed with leukemia. He was 16. And that particular type of cancer, 97% of people actually recover from and go into remission, and he never did. Mm. And within the year, he passed away. And walking with the students through that season and and just being being present with them in their grief really kind of hit home for me that um, this is what I'm meant to be doing. This is... You know, I want to be in people's lives and, and be that presence of God for them and to be that source of, of comfort and that source of, of wisdom for people. And so, you know, as strange as it is, God had to put me in ministry before I realized that I had a calling to sure. it. So maybe that reveals that I might be a little bit stubborn. <laughs> but that's really what happened. So um, it was out of that experience that I that I finally accepted. And when I told my parents, I I accepted the call when I was at camp and I stopped at my parents' house after camp that week. And I said, I think, I think I need to be a pastor. And their response was, it's about time you figured that out. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, needless to say, they've been very supportive, but I think they knew long before, before I did that this was going to be the path I would take. Absolutely. And so then, then that led you to Garrett right after that. Then. Yep. Yep. So I went to Garrett and I did my MDiv. So I was out there for two years um, and then came back and went to Mitchell as yeah. the associate back got, into youth ministry. Again. Back into youth ministry. <laughs> but you got all those practical things out of the way now that you had to do, you know, afterwards. You know, there was there is something I appreciated those practical courses a lot more when I went for my MDiv because I'd been in ministry and I and I understood like, oh, this is actually really helpful. Yeah. This would have been nice to know. <laughs> <laughs> this, know? Yeah, this would have been nice to know two weeks ago. You know? Yeah, I, I go back to the uh, line in the, the Wedding Singer from Adam Sandler when she shows up <laughs> the day after the wedding and she says, well, I found out I'm not in love with Robbie Hart now, but 10 years ago. And he said, that would have been nice to know yesterday. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think about a lot of that in ministry that sometimes we go through things and we're like, man, this would have been great to know Yesterday, two day, two yeah. years ago, three years ago, instead of right. tripping your way through it. But, you know, at the same time, two, two years prior to that, I don't know that I would have been open to yeah. it. You know, like, yeah. it ta- sometimes it takes me having to live through things to really understand, like, oh, this is, that's why that's important. Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, so that kind of answered, you know, my next question of when, when you uh, received your call into ministry and... And how that worked because I, I just kept wrestling with that. I was like, man, this is the most backwards thing in the world that we're gonna go and take these, and then then yeah. we're gonna decide to be a pastor. So yeah, yeah, I I had to do seminary twice before I figured it out. Oh, that's all right, you know. And you got two different uh, two different ways through it, and you got some practical experience in the middle and. Yeah, and, you know, I'm really grateful, actually, for kind of the winding road that I've taken because it's really, I mean, the two seminaries that I went to are kind of night and day from each other and have different perspectives, but it really broadened uh, my education and it broadened my ability to to relate to people because, um, you know, 
it, it exposed me to people with a wide variety of how they approach scripture and how they and how their experiences influence what they believe and and to love and to cherish all of those experiences um, i felt like it really equipped me well for walking into ministry in the dakotas awesome Awesome, awesome. Well, so the next question I have, and this is a, a question that gets asked every time when you're sitting down with somebody, what are your strengths? What what strengths are you bringing uh, to the wonderful congregation of First United Methodist Church? What what strengths is Katie bringing here to First Church? <laughs> My initial thought was... Um not serious at all <laughs> that's okay again again you know and not everything has to be serious this may be the first time we've done a, a, a conversation that the wedding singer has came up in a conversation so uh yeah um i was gonna say you know my my style no i'm just kidding um i think honestly my strengths i i am teaching is the passion that I that I've brought with me since I was young and, and something that that gives me life and so I, I love to be able to share what I've learned and, and it's something that makes me excited and so it tends I find that if you're excited about something other people get excited about it um, teaching and preaching preaching was something I was terrified um, until I went back to seminary and had to take my preaching course and then and discovered that I really actually enjoy it but um, so that's been something that I've been growing in and and really have come to love. And then I would say the other pieces are I've been growing a lot in, in my administration. I'm a very organized person. I don't know that I would qualify qualify as fully type A, but I definitely am probably in that camp somewhere. Okay. Um, so, you know, I appreciate structure. I appreciate efficiency. I appreciate um, effective communication. Um, so those are things that, um, that for me, that's something that I, I tend to notice and I tend to focus on because if we're living in community together, those are things that are going to help us um, to do what God has called us to do. Um, and so I also just really love, I, and I was commenting on it, I'm so excited to work with a staff and to work with other people and to be collaborative in that way. Um, that's not always what we get to do uh, in the various churches that we serve. Every church has a different way of doing things and a different structure. And so I'm excited and um, excited to be able to pour into other staff and to help them succeed. I feel like that's part of my job. Awesome. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what book are you reading right now? So I literally just finished a book last night called um, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved by Kate Bowler. Okay. I don't know if you've heard that one. Um, it's kind of a memoir. She is a professor at Duke, and she was diagnosed with cancer, and it was kind of her uh, story of kind of grappling with that first year of what that looked like. Literally finished that last night. And then I'm, I'm reading another book. Um, called Anam Kara, which means soul friend, and it's by um, John Donahue, and he is a Celtic priest, uh, so in Ireland, and he has a book of blessings that I I tend to go to quite a bit, and that's a very different style book, but I, I like the Celtic spirituality, and so it's been fun to kind of approach 
approach spirituality from from that viewpoint, which is much more in tune with nature and um, kind of, again, that blending between the spiritual realm and our physical realm and understanding that they're both of God and uh, how they can benefit and relate to one another. Awesome. What's, What's your favorite book? My favorite book like asking me which child is my favorite well. <laughs> um, I'm gonna pick two um, one is the cost of discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer mm-hmm. one thing to know about me is I I grew up Lutheran and never fully left me um, so I named my cat Dietrich Bonhoeffer I we call him Dietrich for short uh, but Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian uh, in the 1930s he was um, he started a seminary. He was a spy against Hitler and was actually jailed. He was in jail for two years and uh, martyred at a concentration camp two weeks before it was liberated. I mean, he is a fascinating person to read yeah. about. Um, but his book on the cost of discipleship really talks about, um, you know, that to follow Jesus, there, it, it, Jesus calls us all of us that we can't like hold back and if we do that then we cheapen the grace that jesus paid his life for right and so um bonhoeffer to me is just he understood that and he lived that and and didn't hold back and so i really love that book the other one that had a major impact on me is a book called the divine conspiracy by dallas willard dallas willard just passed away actually a, a few years ago um, I got to see him when I was in Massachusetts speak, and I was fangirling a little bit because <laughs> I'm a nerd. Um, but the, there's a particular chapter in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, on the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes I've loved, but I've always kind of struggled with as good news because it felt like a list of things that I couldn't live up to. But Dallas Willard talked about it that that really it's not about you have to be these things in order to be blessed, but that all of these people who are in these things, like those who are mourning, those who are um, kind of getting caught in the middle as peacemakers where people want them to choose sides, that, that they are blessed because Jesus is there, because God has come near, because the kingdom of heaven is present and they are invited into it. It's not about you. It's about what God is doing. And I read that in college and it just kind of, broke me a little bit because it was like oh like it's not about me (laughs) which again is like one of those you know because I just felt like I have to try to be the best person I have to be you know because this is what it takes in order to be blessed but really what it takes is Christ coming near right and that's what that's the grace and so Dallas Willard kind of broke open my mind a little bit with that book and so that one always has a special place in my heart awesome awesome so two great books and we'll actually put uh links to both of those in uh the comments today so if you're interested in learning about more and you can (laughs) read those books and then you can come and compare notes with katie and and uh pick her brain a little bit about it so that'd be a great opportunity for for folks to uh to do that and that's part of the reason why i bring up books you know, books are just a great opportunity for us to continue to learn and to grow. And so I feel like if we share what kind of what we're reading, maybe people, yeah, they might read it and not, not totally agree with it or not understand, but then they'll, under, they'll see why or where we're coming from with things sometimes as well. 
Yeah, and I like to, you know, I think even in what I've said, it's a wide variety of the types of books I like to read. Um, and I really love memoirs in particular because I love hearing how faith has been embodied in somebody and how it it practically lives lives out in them. And so, um, you know, some of them tend to be a little more heady, but then, like I said, I, I in particular, enjoy reading memoirs. Awesome. Uh, most influential person in your life. You see, I had, I told her I had a couple stumpers in here and I had a couple real easy ones. This one's always a tough one for everybody. You know, it's interesting. And, you know, obviously my parents are huge influences. I mean, they're your parents. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to say like, we're going to put them in the obvious camp. Like, yep. like if you ask a p- pastor what their favorite book is, the obvious yeah, camp and, and, is the Bible. And, yeah, it was the Bible. And I was <laughs> going to say no church answer, but I didn't think you were going to go there. So, um, You know, I would say that it's God has provided these like people in different stages of my life that have been really formative in that stage of life. And so, you know, I think back to college and my college advisor was huge and she was the biggest reason that I went to Gordon Conwell because I looked at her and said, that's what I want to be. And she, and she had a huge influence. And to this day, there are things about me that I'm, that are that way because she was in my life. Um, You know, I think when I was in Massachusetts, I worked as a church secretary and the pastor that I worked for became like a surrogate mother to me, you know, and there are things about me that, again, like are formative, but it's hard to say of any one person in particular, but there, there have been a handful of of people, clergy, uh, Sunday school teachers, um, in particular, who have really poured into me uh, just amazing things that I'm so grateful for. But it, it does really seem that kind of everywhere I go, there's like that person that right. help, that is there to guide me in that chapter yeah. of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm curious to see. This is kind of a trick question. Kind of a trick question there. But yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see who that person falls in the camp here at Yankton who will be, yeah. you know. And that's that's one of the great things about uh, God's people and, and the kingdom is they're, they're, we're all so different, and yet we sometimes find these people uh, where we're placed that we would have never maybe crossed paths with, and yet they leave a part of them on us that we right. then carry with us, and then we share that with someone else, and you're like, I would have never had this opportunity. I would have never known this to right. share with you if I hadn't crossed paths with this person. So Well, and I think also just as we go through life and as our experiences change, you know, those people, you know, are changed with us. And, you know, so the people that I relate to as I've gotten older, as I've gotten married, as I've become a mother, you know, they're very different people than the ones I responded to 10 years ago. Right. And so it's been fun to see see that progression as well. But... Um, always trying to be open to, you know, God, who, who are you bringing into my life in this, in this chapter? Because God's been so faithful in doing that. And, and I can really, as I sit here for a moment, I can think through it like, yep, this was this, (laughs) this chapter was that person, this chapter. And, and just always people that, that I had something to learn. Um, and so, yeah, I am, I am curious. Awesome. Well, so I'm, I'm going to actually pose this then to everyone who's watching and listening. So I want you this week when you have some time to go through and think of the people 
in each chapter of your life who have been those influential people. And then if they're strumming to throw another curve at you and if they're still around, um, maybe just send them a note of encouragement this week or, or next week. Um, I, I think about those people that have poured into me and when was the last time I reached out to them or and maybe just them getting a card would be the spark that they needed again. And, and a lot of them are out there pouring into people because that's just what they do. They just continue to pour and pour into people. So that's that's your challenge from me this week. Oh, I and love and it. I know you still have a challenge from Katie from last Sunday still. <laughs> and I am still in the camp of not turned in yet. So, Katie, you want to just touch base on what your challenge was to them last week? Yeah, so uh, if you heard the sermon this past Sunday, we were doing Psalm 145 because I don't know how to read the lectionary. It was supposed to be Psalm 45. Two master's degrees and <laughs> cannot read the lectionary. It's numbers. It's, yeah, there's a reason I'm a pastor and not an accountant. Okay. Um, but I think it was a God thing. But Psalm 145 is an acrostic poem. Every line starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so I challenged the people who heard that sermon to um, create their own acrostic poem, however they want. Most people are using their names, which I think is really fun, um, to praise God in the same form that David used. So each line of the poem follows that acrostic pattern. And they, the ones that I have received, one, thank you so much for, for taking the time and, and sitting down and reflecting on who God has been to you and to do kind of it in a way that is probably feel, feels out of your comfort zone and a bit silly, but they have been such a blessing to me as I see how God has been so faithful uh, in the lives of the people of this church. And so uh, if you haven't done it yet, I would love to see it, um, Corey. Yeah, I'm working on it. I've had a lot to do this week, but I'm going to get to it. I've been thinking of it each and every day. I just have to get it down on paper. So um, I got three questions left here because I know we're running tight on time. But um, could you share with me and the folks listening and watching today, what is one dream, vision, or hope you have for First United Methodist Church here in Yankton as you serve as the senior pastor here? You know, my number one hope, I think, always goes back to, to our core mission, which is to make disciples for Jesus Christ, for the transformation of the world. And one of the passions I really have is discipleship and to go deep in our faith and to have that motivate all that we do and all that we are in our lives. And so I think one of the hopes that I have is to be able to help lead us in that uh, mission so that uh, we are, you know, a place and a source of hope for people and that uh, we're connecting people with God. Uh, that's, you know, and, and I see it as, as me getting to kind of jump in on what God is already doing and, and kind of get to ride that wave with everybody. And so that's, that's my hope is that we just continue to be a church that, that goes deep, that's not afraid to um, ask tough questions, um, not afraid to kind of live in some of those uh, and face those difficult questions of faith, but trust that God, God's goodness and God's love is, you know, everlasting. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, so you like to challenge the people on Sunday mornings to share their God moments. Yeah. And God moments are uh, 
you know, just being aware that God is always around you because sometimes we, we tend to get so busy with ourselves and everything else that we, that we miss the things that God is doing. So my question for you today is what has been a God moment for you during the pandemic? There's been, so I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat again and <laughs> give you, give you two answers. Um, I'm going to give you a, a church related answer yep. and a home related. That's answer. great. I, I love, <laughs> I love that. I, so, and, and I think that's a great thing just you brought up because anytime people talk to us as, as pastors and clergy, they always want to give us like the church answer. And I love church answers and you can give me church answers, but I also love your personal relational answers because that's where we see where God God lives and works in our personal and relational lives. Right. So we need to talk about those things. So fire away with the two <laughs> answers. To All right, this good. I'm, I'm glad that you supported that. Um, well, and part of it is I'm a pastor, but I'm a mom and I'm a wife, and and those are two you know two sides of the same coin of who I am, and they form who I am, and so. I am all of it. Uh, but on the pastoral side, one of the things that happened is uh, when I was at my previous church, our, we had two ladies who would lead singing uh, for me. And because of where they were, one had a stroke literally the week of the pandemic starting. And so she wow. was out. And the other one was a nurse. And so she was self-quarantined. So all of a sudden, I don't have singers. And for me to do everything was a little much. And... Um, and so we reached out to someone who had done special music but hadn't really been in the mix for leading worship. And she basically led worship with me every week. And it was an awesome experience because it was kind of like, do you think she'll do it? And then by the end, it was like we just had this incredible relationship because we had this time each week where we could visit and where she felt like, she got reconnected with God because of the situation that could have been terrible, but it, it ended up being hugely, um, just a huge blessing. And so for me, like in ministry wise, it was kind of when things kind of break down, it can also break open new possibilities and kind of embracing that. So I really saw God working in that on a personal side. We, kept our boys home from daycare since March and so I was working full-time and between my husband and I we were watching the boys as well and so the way we got out of the house was I would take them on hikes and we would go to like state parks and um and just that time and I'm gonna like get choked up because they're my boys but like just having that time with them it was hard but a blessing because when you work full time, you just, you have limited time with your children. And it just reminded me how much that is a precious gift. And also how funny and crazy and exhausting they are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like we go on these hikes and uh, we heard bullfrogs. And, and my two-year-old, almost three-year-old, uh, Ben, he started mimicking the bullfrog sound like dead on. And it was, and he would do that. He we saw bumblebees, and you know, then that whole day, like we're stopping and looking at the flowers and listening for the bumblebees, and it was just this like, it took me out of myself for a little bit. Sure, what a gift! Like, so yeah, that it was like a hectic pace, but it also it was just such 
wonderful intentional time with my children that I wouldn't I wouldn't awesome. give up for anything. Awesome. And I made it through with no tears. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> tears are okay. Tears are tears are good. Um I actually lied. I actually have two questions left. <laughs> I always have two questions left. Um, but this one here is what what can we as the church be in how can we pray for you and your family during this uh, continued time of transition as you said we're one weekend but how can we be praying for our pastor I think that's one of the most important things as a church we can do is pray for our pastors so how can we be in prayer for you you know I think the biggest thing is we are still working on trying to figure out what our rhythm is going to be as a family for me as a pastor to try to you know, again, try to balance that life between ministry and family. Um, and so for for me, I think a big prayer is just to continue to um, help us to acclimate to our community. To and, and this church has been so good at welcoming and being so generous to us. Um, but just, you know, as for our boys and for my husband and for, for me, as we try to still figure out what is this life going to look like because with the pandemic it's just no, we don't know and yeah. so it's just trying to find whatever our rhythm is going to be I think is is huge and the other thing is just pray for patience because I want I want to know all the people I want to know all the things I want to do all the things and I don't have to do them all right now all right. So, so you're an impatient person as well. So we ought to work real uh, terribly together. <laughs> so, I'm impatient about things that I'm excited about. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. I hear you on that. All right. So my very last question today, um, some of you may know this, some of you may not know this, but last year, Katie actually was one of the preachers at annual conference. An annual conference is when um, the, all the pastors and the, and the laity all get together for a time of our meetings and, and a time of worship together. And she actually came back. Her first preaching was back from maternity leave, was at annual conference. So yeah. she's preaching in front of all of her, her colleagues, peers, the bishop, the whole nine yards. So my question is this to you. What was harder, preaching at annual conference or potty training? Well, considering we <laughs> were not, I am failing at the potty training 100% right now, so preaching was easier. <laughs> <laughs> I always ask that question to everyone who potty trains because potty training is like the number one uh, struggle for young people. For, pa yeah. for parents with young kids. And so I, I was curious, <laughs> you know, because some kids catch it right away. So maybe maybe that was easy. But to me, <laughs> I, I think preaching at annual conference in front of everybody has to be pretty nerve-wracking. But the daily grind of potty training may be worse. You know, so I will say, uh, one, you can't say no when the bishop calls, no matter whether you want to or not, I think. Um, so that was intimidating. Uh, but also it was on the topic of evangelism and the guest speaker at annual conference was my professor of evangelism from my, from Garrett. And so I was like, desperately trying to remember anything <laughs> from his class and very anxious when I got done preaching. But then it turned out that I was like, I was right on the money with him. So that was really good. Um, but yeah, potty, I had grand ideas. I'm like pandemic. I'm home all the time. We're going to knock this out. No, that did not happen. Uh, we are in the bribery phase right now, and 
So yeah, if anyone has some some good tips and tricks, I will take them when it comes to potty training because smack a little well. All right, see, so there we go. <laughs> so all of you experts who have raised your kids and have those tips, send them in along with your homework. <laughs> Those are two things that you can do this week. Well, we're just going to wrap up here this this afternoon. And it was so great to uh, have this time just to sit down and visit and get to know uh, you a little bit more and to share with all the folks here at the church. And And I really look forward to our time as we get to spend uh, each week to, to kind of wrap up the week and, and just share with what's going on. If you guys have any ideas of things you want us to talk about, um, yeah. send them in because we would love to sit down and, and visit with those things as well. Uh, but yeah, I think overall for our first week, we got through this with one take again. Yes. You know, we got through our, <laughs> our little video we shot about worship in one take and just a reminder about worship 10 AM on Sunday, lawn chairs, sunscreens, umbrellas. Uh, if you have pop-up tents, bring those as well. Um, following the service, we're going to have a time to, uh, greet Katie and Jason and Ben and Ethan. So uh, you come on over and see them. The cats aren't going to be here though. So no cats. No cats. Sorry. Uh, I know some of you that like cats are going to have to take a rain check on the cats. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's going to wrap it up today. I do want to close just in prayer real quick as uh, we wrap up our time together. So let us take a moment and let's pray. Oh, holy and gracious God, we give you thanks for this day. Thanks for this opportunity to uh, to sit down and just visit a little bit and get to know more uh, about Katie. And God, we're just so grateful that, that you have uh, placed a calling on her life and that, that you have uh, led her to First United Methodist Church. And God, we just ask that you would... Your, your spirit would fill her and anoint her as she leads this church into uh, our next phase because we're always trying to move and grow to, uh, to reach the next person who doesn't know you because we know that your love is for everybody. And, and once we receive that love, God, you just do so many amazing things in mm -hmm. and through us. So God, as uh, we wrap up today, just uh, continue to uh, use us and use this ministry uh, to further your kingdom. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, friends, we'll see you on Sunday. All right. Thanks again for joining us for this week's episode of What's Going On. We look forward to seeing you in worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. in our parking lot or online at firstumcyankton.org. Have a great week. We'll see you soon.